complex. When you sit down and really began to study the scripture, there are a lot of things that is misleading. Sanctification has caused churches to bust up. The teaching and the doctrine of sanctification has caused new denominations to be started. The teachings and denominations has caused schisms and isms in the Bible, in, in the church. And it's primarily because of the misinterpretation of Scripture. Sanctification is a doctrine in the Bible that unless someone is your leader knows a little bit about the original language in the Bible, you're going to be in the dark about what sanctification actually is. I'm going to share with you tonight that Katrina is right. You've probably never heard that before. But she is right to a degree. And we're going to get into that a little bit because it's very important. I'm also going to share with you tonight that, yes, the sanctification was complete, so to speak, in one essence when you were saved. But sanctification was going on long before you ever asked the Lord to save you. And I'm going to bring that out into the scriptures tonight so that you'll see that. Sanctification is a work from the Holy Ghost that, that because there's been an argument about when it starts, when it begins, if it's complete, if it's ongoing, if it's daily, who has a part in it, what has to be done in it, what elements is there because of all of that, and it is so complex. It has caused people to get angry with one another because they believe a certain element of the truth, and it's what they believe is truth, but it's not the full truth. And because it's not the full truth, we have some folks that have went way out extreme, and they have taught that man is eternally secure. The minute that he gives his heart to the Lord, that he's eternally secure, and it doesn't matter what he does, how he lives in his life, that he will go to heaven as long as he has accepted Jesus Christ. And if you read the Bible one way, you would believe that, and you would say that you would stand up and argue that that is the truth. But when you really began to look at it and dive deeper into the Scripture and go beyond the English words, you'll find out that the, the, the Scriptures does not mean that at all. So tonight, my endeavor, not because you need to know this or that I'm, I'm smarter than anybody else, my endeavor tonight is to teach you sanctification because that is what this church needs right now. We need sanctification in this church. Sanctification is a process that, yes, according to Katrina, it pretty much starts at your birth. In fact, it started before your birth, long before your birth. And I'll prove that to you tonight. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verse 2 through 9. In your notes tonight, I want you to write down that the word that is translated in the Bible for sanctification and holiness is a verb and a noun. In some places, it is a verb. And in some places, it is a noun. In fact, in some scriptures, the same word is used in the scripture, but it is a verb in one part of the sentence, and it is a noun in the same sentence. And because of the misunderstanding of the verb and the noun, we got all these crossed-up doctrines. 
to make it that much worse. The Greek language is written in a tense, in a voice, and in a mood. Let me explain what I'm talking about. In school, when you went to school, there was the present tense, the past tense, and the future tense. Every word is written in a past, present, or future tense. It's also written in a certain voice. And in the inflection in the voice would determine to you which tense that it actually meant. And the mood that it was written in will explain to you what aspect of the certain word would be applied in that particular word. So because of all that that is so complex, the English language could not in any way, shape, or form ex expound on what sanctification process that it was talking about. So it translated the word sanctified, sanctify, or sanctification, or holy, holiness. It, they translated that out of the same word. So there's like six different words that is used for the word sanctification. And because of that, we get so mixed up that we don't understand what he's talking about when the Bible mentions sanctification. So if there is a way to clear all this up, then Christians could live a lot more victorious. How many would love to know how to clear all that up? Amen. That's why you're here tonight. First Peter chapter number 1, verse 2. And I stopped turning in my Bible to Isaiah, so give me a minute to get over there so that I can read this. First Peter chapter number 2. I'm sorry, chapter number one, verse number two. This is Peter writing his book and his epistle. And the first thing that he says, he's addressing the book and he says, elect. Everybody say elect. elect. Now the word elect, he's writing this book to the elect. The word elect is the word eklikios. And it literally means, listen to this now. It literally means to be chosen before you were born, to be chosen out of a crowd of folks as a favorite because you have the qualities to become what the owner intended, chosen by God to obtain salvation through Christ. You heard the word predestination. And that's what that word elect means. It means that before you were ever born, God predetermined his will for you. Then he puts you here on this earth, and it is up to you whether or not you subvert yourself and submit yourself to his will. So the truth of the matter is, we'll get into this a little bit later on, you'll see it in other scriptures, sanctification actually began before you were ever sent to earth. In your life. So he says you are the elect. Everybody just say I'm the elect. That should make some of you think something wonderful. Because God looked at you. And we're in the last days. He looked at you amongst all the spirits. That he had around in the world. In, the earth, in heaven that he was going to send to earth. And he said. Thelma Worm. Needs to come to earth at this time. And what the qualities that she's got in her can help me further along my task and my purpose in the last days. And you've always heard the saying that the best always comes last. 
So just look at somebody right beside of you and say, I am the best. You see, we got to start acting that way. Amen. So he starts out and he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So you're chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. How? Through sanctification of the Spirit. Notice there that the word Spirit is in capital letters. That means the Holy Ghost is the one that actually does the sanctification on you in the beginning, through the process, and to the end. But the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, started working on you before you ever came to earth, and he convicted you so that you could get to the point where you would accept the will that God has on your life and thus forth be sanctified in a noun's perspective. But once you get to the noun perspective, then you've got to move on to the verb perspective. So there's two different parts of sanctification, and that's where we mess up so much. So he says, elect according to the full knowledge of God through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is very important. James was very deep theologically. You might want to underline, circle the word sprinkling, obedience. You might want to underline the foreknowledge of God, elect, and circle the sanctification with that. But he says, I've done this unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice through, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that persisted, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ whom having not seen, ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, ye believing, ye rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving, and underline this and circle it, the end of your faith. Put it in English. The goal of your faith is even the salvation of your soul. Okay. Before I go further, let me explain something. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Keep your finger there because we're coming back, but i got to explain this to you real quick. If you don't get this, you'll miss everything about the Scripture. So we really need to understand this in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. No, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Wait a minute, I might have told you wrong again. No, it's first first Thessalonians chapter number five, verse number twenty-three. If you don't understand this, you're gonna miss sanctification. Before you read this, let me ask a question. I'm doing a survey. When you got saved, what part of you got saved? Your spirit. Okay. Did your soul get saved? 
You did? Okay. Everybody agree with that? Your soul got saved? Okay. Did your flesh get saved? Okay. Um, God said, I create in you a new spirit. You are a spirit that possesses a soul that dwells in a body. So when you came to the altar, you did not, if you had orange hair, leave with your hair black. They wouldn't change. Nothing changed in your flesh. Not a thing. Your flesh is just as nasty as it's ever been. Until sanctification really gets to its point where you can subject the flesh to the spirit. But the work that God did in you was not in your soul either. That's your job. You're the one that's supposed to save your soul. What did I just read to you over in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 22? The end or the goal of your faith is the salvation of your soul. So your goal is to work with the Holy Ghost, to work with Jesus, to work with God, and win your soul to the salvation that God has done in your spirit. Now let me ask you a question and answer a whole lot of things if you understand this. When you come to the altar and you ask the Lord to save you, didn't you still have some bad emotions? Amen. Didn't you still have a temper? Didn't you still have some habits and stuff that you needed to get over with? Didn't you react to certain things a certain way? You was not completely, 100%, completely changed at that point. Inside, deeply, you were. And then the Bible says you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling of the Lord. Work it out from where? Your spirit. So your job in the whole New Testament is written to you of how you are supposed to work out your salvation from your spirit to your soul and to your flesh. And in First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 23, Paul is praying a prayer, and he's talking about the verb process of the sanctification. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you, look at that word there, holy, it's not H-O-L-Y, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. He's saying, I want God by the Holy Spirit to holy, 100%, your spirit, your soul, and your flesh, to be holy, sanctified. I'm going to tell you what sanctified means in a little bit. And he says, I pray God your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body will be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So salvation, sanctification, was, was done in your spirit and the Holy Ghost began to convict your spirit very early in your life. God, through his foreknowledge, predestined that you would have the opportunity in your life to become saved. And if you accepted him, he would recreate your spirit. And then the Holy Ghost, through your will and how you present your members to God, how you intake the word, how you apply the blood of Jesus Christ, how you get on his system, the Holy Spirit will break open your spirit to the point to where it gets out on your soul, and then from your soul it'll reach your flesh. So what you need has already been done and put on the inside of you in your spirit. 
everything you will ever need is right there. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is already there. You just got to start walking in. Salvation is already there. Sanctification is already there. Healing is already there. Everything you ever need, knowledge, wisdom, everything, God put it in your spirit. But your job is to work on your soul. And a lot of us like to subject our body. Well, I, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But it's your soul that really needs help. Why? Because in your soul, there is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the devil will use your mind, and he'll use your emotions to try to get your will to go do what your flesh wants. So you got to allow God to straighten out your thoughts. When you came to the altar and you gave your heart to the Lord, you still probably left like I did with some of the same old thoughts. There was something different about you. You knew there was something different, but you still struggled with the same old thoughts. Still struggle with the same old temper. For a long time, you'd say something to a certain man. I still got a little one at times. I have to kind of check my, 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 my temper, and so do so many of us. So our process in life and our goal in our living for the Lord and submitting ourselves to God is to bring about the salvation of our soul. Now, in position, you are right. Your soul did get saved on the day you got, came to the altar. But in practicality, your soul ain't saved yet. That don't happen until the end of time. You must begin to live the life as a responsible believer that the Bible teaches you're supposed to live. Is everybody following me? Anybody got any questions before we go any further? So you have a spirit that God saved. You must work with God to help and, and to intake the word to help save your soul. When you save your soul, then your flesh will fall in line. You got me now. So God's work's done on the inside of you and your spirit. You got to help him get it out of your spirit, work out your salvation on your soul and on your flesh. That's your job. Slap that beside me and say, that's your job. 18 minutes into that, and I've just got that far. Y'all going to learn a lot tonight. Amen? All right. I want you to look at that verse again. First Peter chapter number 2. Chapter one, number one, verse two. The dominant idea of sanctification is separating yourself from the secular and separating you from sinful stuff and setting you apart as a sacred instrument, a sacred vessel for God's special use. That's the whole idea. That everything you do radiates the glory of the Lord. All this is made possible by the atoning work of Christ and the provision that he has in the Holy Spirit. All members of the Trinity work together in salvation and in sanctification, and they bring to you a threefold assurance that what you're doing is right. So God's got a job. Jesus has got a job. And the Holy Ghost got a job in chapter 1, verse 2. Look at what God's job is. First off, his job is to select you, to choose you. Everybody's hot out and say, I was chosen by God. Now that ought to make you laugh and have a good time and worship the Lord and praise him. Amen. You're important to God. God chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Amen. Got to get that mindset. So first thing he says, I chose you by the foreknowledge of God. 
I chose you. Look at what he said there in that verse, in, in verse number two. He said, I chose you, you my elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So God the Father's job is to survey all of his children, all of his creation, and determine who has the qualities, who has the talent, who has the ability to perform the purpose that he has to perform here on this earth, and you qualified and you won. Let me explain it to you this way. When your daddy and your mama got together and they had marriage relations, your daddy let loose something like three million sperm and you went to fighting against them sperm to reach the one egg that your, your mom laid. I hate to say it like that, but that's what you had. <laughs> and one sperm made it through. Everybody out and say one. Everybody say, I am that one. Why is it that you're that one sperm? God looked at that spool of sperm and said, okay, yeah, no, not that one, 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 not that one. There's Susan right there. She's coming. Y'all getting the point now? That might be a little graphic for you, but that's the best way to explain it to you. God chose you out of all of that. So you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You were not put in a place that God didn't want you to be. Yes, the family you were put in, God wanted you in that family, whether you like them or not. The child you got, that's the one God said that was going to help you. Y'all getting me now. So God said, I elected you. Look at the thing that the uh, Holy Ghost did. Now, it says, after that, it said, through sanctification of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that quite a bit tonight. That's the Holy Ghost's job. And the third job was unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, there's so much power in that one verse. Amen. It would literally make you shout if you knew what was there. We become the elect by the foreknowledge of God. That, that word foreknowledge means a prognosis. It's when he looked at you and he made a forecast of the likely outcome that's going to happen in your life. He gave a prognosis. He prophesied over you. Turn to your neighbor and look at that person right beside him and say, did you know I was the word of God? Mm, now, boy, think about that just a minute. You are a living word of God, living and breathing. Some people in life will never read the Bible, but they will read the Word of God through you. You are the living Word of God. A prognosis is a forecast that you're going to likely become something and you're going to be able to accomplish the outcome God wanted. Everybody just say, I'm going to be victorious. That's why he said you are more than a conqueror. Oh, man, I'm ready to preach. I'm trying to teach tonight about ready to preach. He said, by the forethought of the Holy Ghost, or forethought of God the Father. That word forethought means careful consideration of what will be necessary or might happen in the future. So God's already considered, looked in your life, saw everything that's going to happen in the future, and he says, hey, Tina's going to make it. Andrew's going to make it. 
Emily's going to make it. It might be tough on them, but they're going to make it. They got the strength in them, the ability in them, the intellect in them, the mind in them, the will in them, the emotion in them. They've got what it takes to live a holy life. Now, you got me now. How many of you right now feel better about yourself? Smile at me and say, I feel better about myself. You're not an accident. God looked at you and chose you out of everybody else. So the Heavenly Father looked all over everyone and he determined that you have what it takes to become exactly what he has called you to be, to come in and to take the position that he wants you to take, not only here on earth, but in heaven, and to accomplish his purpose. So everybody just in faith here tonight say, I'm going to accomplish his purpose. He's going to be able to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He already knew that you were going to be able to do that. And that's why he chose you. But he done it and he said, I'm going to do the work in you through sanctification of the spirit. Now write this word down. This word is the Greek word for sanctification. You really need to understand this. It is H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. H-A-G-I-A-S-M-O-S. He's saying through sanctification of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. When you see the capital S, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. That is a noun. When he's talking about sanctification there, he's talking about it in the noun form. The noun form is in a past tense, meaning the work's already been done. So when he's saying this sanctification of the Holy Ghost has already been done, so everybody just say with me in faith, say, I am sanctified. I am sanctified. Yes, you are. If you've accepted God, you are sanctified. Now, it goes deeper than that and further than that. There is a second work of grace and a progressive grace that goes on with it. But you need to understand when the Bible is saying that the sanctification of the Spirit is written in the noun, and any time it's written in the noun, it's talking about an accomplished fact. It's already done. It's over with. It's done. So he's saying there that he's talking about the purifying process that becomes makes you become holy and advance in the transformation of the Lord in the holiness. So it's a process. So sanctification has two different processes. The Holy Ghost deals with it in a noun. And that process today, if you've accepted the Lord, is complete in you. But then there starts a second work of grace that is a verb process that you must experience to be able to become victorious. So everything the Holy Ghost needed to do up to the day that your will finally broke and said, I've accepted the Lord, he began to convict you. Nobody just shows up and gets saved anytime they want to get saved. The Bible says the Spirit of God must draw them. So God began to draw you long before you ever came to the altar. So Katrina is right. From day one, he began to put the proper people in her life, the proper messages in her life, the proper angels in her life, the proper demons in her life, so to speak, to get her to the point to where somewhere down the road she has a transaction with the Father. That work's done. It's over with. It's finished. You got me now. Amen? Any questions? Then he goes on and he says, Unto the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That word obedience, we're going to talk about a little bit further later on, means attentive hearkening 
and continuing submission. There ain't a whole lot of people like submission. And there ain't a whole lot of people that listen to what God has to say all the time. He's saying continually hearkening to what you hear and submitting to what you heard. But it goes further than that. He goes on and he says it's also done, sanctification is done by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That word in Hebrew, or I'm sorry, in Greek, is a really unusual word. It's spelled R-H-A-N-T-I-S-M-O-S. And if we had an English word that it would mean, it would mean aspersion. And a lot of us don't use that word much anymore. The word aspersion means, listen to this, the word aspersion means an attack on your reputation, an attack on your integrity. So the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ is an attack on your integrity and an attack on your reputation. Not the new creature, but the old creature. And it is the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ that every time that old nature wants to come up, the blood of Jesus Christ is an attack against him. The blood handles it for you. You don't have to control your temper. Help me, Lord. Amen. It is the Holy Ghost in you that will control your temper. And it is the blood of Jesus Christ working with the Holy Ghost that every time your temper wants to jump up, when he sprinkles that over yet, it has no power in your life. That's why as you tap into the grace, and the more you understand this, you'll begin to able to lay down some habits. You'll begin to lay down some things that are bad sins in your life. Y'all follow me tonight, amen? In late Middle English, it meant and denoted something being sprinkled like a baptism. So every time, let's just use this one example. Let's say you're in the process of the verb process of sanctification, and you're going forward in that, and your temper wants to come up. And every time that temper comes up, the Spirit of God shows up in the same time, and the blood of Jesus Christ is released again, and it covers that temper at that point in time and baptizes him and brings him up. Anybody understand what baptism is? Baptism is your testimony that you died out of one race and come back into another one. You died out of Satan's family, and you come into God's family. So every time God does the work in you, he is putting you back through the baptism. He is dipping you back into the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I need the blood. I don't know about y'all. There's many times in my life, I'll tell you, I love Tina to death, and she loves me to death, but there's times in life I have to go back in the back room and say, Lord, you got to dunk me one more time now. you got to help me because I can't handle this. <laughs> and see, if we understand that, then God will... Do that, and the blood becomes a weapon. Everybody, I say the blood's a weapon. It's a weapon against everything you were up until the time that you finally had your crisis of belief and you had that transaction with the Lord. The blood of Jesus has set you free. Amen. Amen. So now the process of sprinkling goes on. It's a continual thing. So it's not just the Holy Ghost that is sanctifying you through His Spirit and His conviction. It is the blood of Jesus Christ once the Holy Ghost convicts you that is dunking you again and annihilating the power that that old man and that integrity had in your life. It's not as hard a battle as you think it is. All it takes from you is to submit. That's all it takes. Everybody, I say submit. We don't like that, do we? None of us like to submit. 
We'll fight tooth and nail because we don't like to submit. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. God the Father elects the sinner to salvation. God the Spirit brings him to salvation by the act of faith. And God the Son cleanses us from sin. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, reads this. said, the Holy Ghost, or God himself, Jesus, gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. So Jesus gave his blood so that you yourself can be free from your sins and not only be free from your sins, but to be delivered and brought out of the world of the enemy, the cosmos of the enemy, the power of the enemy, the right of the enemy, and put in the family of Jesus Christ. You have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Your old man does not live anymore. He's dead. And the Spirit of God convicts you to keep him dead. And the blood of Jesus Christ drowns him every time he tries to come back up. Now, are y'all getting my point now? All right. So everybody just holler out and say, let the blood fall on me. That's why I sung that song tonight. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can take care of me. Amen? Now, the Father foreknowing, the Son atoning, and the Spirit applying the Son's work in, in, in your life is called sanctification. And I just read to you 1 Thessalonians 5.23 how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. He's praying there, he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit and your soul and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Flip with me back to Acts chapter number 26, verse 15 through 18. I love to teach on this. I hope I can get all this in tonight because I want to reach a certain point because God's got a certain sermon he wants me to preach Sunday morning. And if you don't get this tonight, you'll probably miss the whole sermon. Sunday morning. Acts 26, 15. This is Jesus talking. And it says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. This is when God has showed, Jesus has showed up with Saul on the way to Damascus. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And I'm sending you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and turn them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. So Paul was called to come forward and turn the Gentiles over to the blood of Jesus Christ so the Spirit of God could sanctify them. You can write this down. We'll go to it later. Hebrews chapter number 10 verse 14 says this. By one offering, he's, protect, he's actually protected forever them that are sanctified. From one offering, this is talking about the now part of the sanctification. By one offering, Jesus Christ himself has protected you forever. Forever. It's a done deal. If you're sanctified, it's a done deal. When you got saved, this offering, now part of it, the first part of it, is done. Everybody just hot out and say, I am, I am protected. That's a good thing to hear. Now, 
when people read that years ago, read it years ago without really studying it, that's when they began to build this eternal security doctrine and saying, hey, I'm protected. He went and gave that offering up there and I'm protected. That ain't what that means. He's saying that salvation was paid for. And salvation for man protects man. And it's still it's still dependent upon your will whether you accept it or not. Y'all got me now, amen? amen. Write this scripture down. First uh, Corinthians 1 and 30. This scripture, listen to what it says. It says, for of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is our sanctification. We'll go to it a little bit deeper later on. Write this scripture down. We'll go to it again. First Corinthians 6, 11. It says, but you are washed. You are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Everybody say, I'm washed. Say like you mean to say, I'm sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Now, that was mistranslated. It should have been, you are being washed. That's talking about the verb part. So you're being washed. You're being sanctified. And you're being justified in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to show you a little bit there. Now that word, hago, I can't hardly pronounce it, hagiosmos, actually is translated sanctification. As I said, it's both a noun and it's a verb. The noun always speaks of an accomplished fact. The verb, however, is always speaking about an ongoing process. And when it's a verb, it speaks of the process that happens after salvation. So it is a second work of grace. And when it's a noun, it's speaking of the process pre-salvation up to the day of salvation. You do get sanctified in one work of grace at the new birth. Turn with me to Hebrews 10.10. I want to show you that real quick. Hebrews 10.10. This is the controversial verse that has caused the Pentecostal movement to bust up. That has called the Baptists to preach eternal security. This is the verse that led it all off, and most so many people misinterpreted it. Hebrews 10 and 10, when you get that tonight, say amen. amen. Now, I got to get it. I get to talking, and I, I can't hush too quick. I can't, can't move fast enough. Hebrews 10 and verse number 10. I want everybody to read this out, because I need you to see this tonight. Verse number 10, Hebrews 10, 1, 2, 3, go. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Read it again. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. Now take that for all, throw it away. That there's in italics in your Bible that was added. It was there for you to help you. Now go back to it and read it again. By the which... By the which will, and put the word in their choice. By the which choice, the choice of the Lord, by his will, you are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. What's it saying? 
One time, Jesus had to go and give his body so you could be sanctified. Did not mean that you're going to be sanctified once. It means there is a sanctification and more sanctification. So this scripture started tearing everybody apart. Well, it says once and for all. The minute that I got Jesus there, I'm sanctified. We are sanctified. And it started causing some problems. And man started teaching eternal security. And he went through the Bible and the rest of the verses up and tried to make every, the, the scriptures say what they wanted to say. It's saying here basically that man is sanctified at the new birth. Yes. And they began to teach that there's no second work of grace because the Bible says it only happens once. There is a second work of grace. And people that were in argument with this said, no, wait a minute now, that word for all there is not there. And this ain't talking about your body. It's talking about the body of Jesus Christ that you, man, was sanctified. And when he gave his offering, that was it. There wasn't nothing else that you needed, but that ain't your complete salvation. And they began to say, there's a second work of grace. And other people said, oh, no, there ain't no second work of grace. There's only one work of grace. And this scripture explains to you when you fully understand it that there is one work of grace and a second work of grace and man is not eternally secure. You must continually believe and not shipwreck your faith and you must attentively hear what God is saying and submit and obey. Y'all follow me? Yes, I believe the Baptist because I was raised Baptist that you get all you need at salvation. But they also teach you don't need no more. I got news for you. It might be deposited on the inside of you, but you need a whole lot more of it to come out. That's why he said work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Does that make sense to everybody? Y'all got me now, okay? Now, I want to go for a little bit further. Look at verse 14. I want you to just look at it while I'm talking a minute, then I'm going to read it. The word for holiness or sanctification that is used here is in the perfect tense in verse number 10. It means we are set apart at the time of initial salvation with ongoing effects and with ongoing purposes and results in our life. And the eternal security doctrine that has emerged has over-applied that scripture. The preeminence of salvation is speaking of the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. But look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected. The word there should be completed. By one offer he has completed it forever. That we are sanctified. That's the word hegelsmos. It's a verb meaning being made holy, set apart progressively. So he had an act up in heaven. And by that act, you were able to come and get saved and get the deposit of sanctification, the deposit of the Holy Ghost, and now progressively, because of his offering up in heaven, now you can move progressively into the sanctification and become holy to the Lord. Everybody following that? Amen? Amen. Now, I read to you Acts chapter 26, verse number 18. God calling, Jesus calling Paul or Saul at the time. And he told him, he said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open up their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. I'm going there, and, and when you go there, I'm going to turn them from the power or the exousia, the authority of the devil, the right that the devil has in your life. Everybody holler out and say, the devil has no right in my life. Now, you've got to start living that way. 
But he says, I'm going to turn them from the authority of God, of, of, of Satan unto the authority of God. Everybody say, God's got his right in my life. And he says that you will receive forgiveness of sin. And that word forgiveness means that your sin is sent away. That your sin is let go. It's left behind you. It's removed from you. It is literally pardoned and your debt has been canceled. God says, because of this, I am going to go in and I'm going to make your sin stay behind you. I'm going to pull it away from you. It's going to let you go. There is no place in your life anymore for sin. And every time sin tries to crop up his head, what does Jesus do with the blood? Sprinkles it on him. Everybody wants to just start doing this every time you start getting mad. Just throw your hand like that. I'm throwing the blood of Jesus at you. I tell you, if we start doing that there here in the church, the minute you look at your husband and you just do like this, right? Don't even say a word. Just throw the blood at him like this. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing what Pastor Kip told me to do. After a while, he'll get saved. You watch and see. Amen. So he said, I'm sending away your sins and I'm going to bring an inheritance among them which are sanctified, and that word is in the present tense, talking about the now, they're sanctified by faith that is in me. Okay? Now go with me back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at the past tense here in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. If y'all need to stop me now, please talk to me. I've already talked 45 minutes. I don't know if I'm going to get finished here tonight or not. Does it sound feel like that 45 minutes is gone already? All righty. At least that's interesting. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. First Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. I'm sorry. Chapter 2, verse 13. I always get that crossed up sometimes. Verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and the belief of the truth. So how many would agree now that Katrina is right? Read that piece. Are you, are you going to agree with Katrina and I say amen? You ain't going to argue with her no more. I saw some of his face when she said that. Now you just print proof that, hey, you, you didn't know what you thought you knew. It says they're from the very beginning. From the very beginning, it's past tense. It says, from the very beginning, God chose you to salvation through sanctification of the Holy Ghost and your belief of the truth. Now look at chapter 5, verse 23 again. I read that just a while ago. I want to see it, show it to you again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Back one book. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Everybody say holy. holy. That means every part of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your body be preserved blameless until the coming of Jesus Christ. That is not a past tense sanctification. That is a progressive sanctification. So what I first read you in Thessalonians is a past tense sanctification. Now Paul is praying that you will begin to progressively be sanctified. 
that your whole soul will progressively be sanctified, that your whole flesh will be progressively sanctified, that your whole spirit will continually be progressively sanctified. And then when it's time for Jesus to show up, that you will be a bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle, completely 100% sanctified from the inside all the way out. That means your mouth talks right. Your mind thinks right. Your emotions react right. And you do things that please the Heavenly Father. Y'all got me? That is progressively. That's going on. So go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. What Peter's saying in verse number 2 should be translated like this. Listen. He's saying, you, the elect, are those chosen out to be the recipients of the of being set apart and the work of the Holy Spirit resulting in the obedience of faith and this results in the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ that sanctifying grace to you and tranquility peace will be given unto you and multiplied. So God is telling us there, I've elected you, the Holy Spirit has sanctified you and the blood of Jesus Christ in coupling with the Holy Spirit continually sanctifies you so when something sin raises up his ugly head your old nature does he dumps you again and he baptizes you I think we need to be baptized every minute every day now, I'm not talking about coming up here and jump down in the water and be baptized no, I'm talking about we need to be dumped down into the blood of Jesus Christ every day I believe until the church gets back to the stream of the blood of Jesus Christ we're going to live without any power in it how many agree with me on that amen so the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit means a person cannot be saved any time they want to be saved and they can't get saved any way they want to get saved. It means that there is a process that goes on before a person gets saved. That's why God said, I have chosen the foolishness of preaching to convict your heart. God began to work on you long before you got saved. How many of you remember the day and the date you got saved? I got one person remembers the day and the day you got saved. How many remember the day and the hour that God began to convict you? You don't, do you? But he began to convict you at a very young age. And a lot of times he used teachers to do that. He used his your mama's eye to straighten you out. And that was part of his plan and putting people in your life to get you to the point where you will recognize the quality in your life that you can live great for the Lord. Amen. Turn to John chapter number 1, verse 13. Let's, let's look and see exactly what I'm talking about here. How many of you learned something about sanctification so far tonight? Amen. Verse, chapter 1, verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. I was going to write, read just 13. All right. It says, But as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. That word means he gave you the right to be the sons of God. And he gave you the power to live it out, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if you're going to be born anew and born flesh, born fresh, born again, it's not by your will. It's not by your blood. You ain't born into it just because your mama was saved. It's not born in by your will, meaning, hey, I, I'll wait five years and then I'll get saved. Uh -uh, it don't work that way. The Bible says it's by the will of God himself. Amen? 
A person's got to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, he's got to choose to obey God and accept the new responsibility that God gives a regenerated believer. Tell me in Philippians chapter number two. Let me show you something here. Very important. It won't be long before I'm finished, but I think that you're going to have a good blessing tonight by the time I finish. I love to teach, by the way. I love to teach a whole lot better than I do preach. Philippians chapter number two. The only problem with going so many places in the scripture is sometimes I can't turn to them fast enough. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Y'all with me tonight? Say amen. All right. Let's read it together. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How did he say for you to work out your salvation? Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Uh, did he say for you to work out Thelma's salvation? No. Did he tell you to work out my salvation? No. Did he tell you to work out the Baptist salvation? No. Did he tell you to work out the Pentecostal salvation? Whose salvation he tell you to work out? Yours. Why are you in everybody else's business then? Exactly. <laughs> You're the one that's supposed to be working on yourself. Why are you preaching to everybody? Why are you telling everybody else what they need to do? Because the Bible said, Jesus said, you're like a person that has a great big old telephone pole in your eye. And they got a little tea splinter in theirs. And you're sitting there saying, you need to get right. You need to get right. And you ain't working out your own salvation yourself. Amen. You see, when you've worked out your own salvation, they will immediately respect you. And you'll learn you don't invite yourself in somebody's life. You wait until they invite you. Amen. And when they invite you, boy, you can make a difference right then. But until they invite you, you got to step back. You hurt sometimes, step back, so okay, you have it your way. But immediately when they open up and they invite you into their life, boy, you come in there with double barrels. <laughs> when you walked in this door, you invited me in your life. That's why I preach as hard as I preach. And I'm coming at you with double barrels, sometimes with four barrels. If you're learning your life to back off of people and quit preaching to them, and you start working out your own salvation, what changes in your life will cause them to want to be changed. Amen. They'll tell you now, don't preach to me. You know why they tell you don't preach to you? Because they don't see it in you. If they saw it in you, they would respect it, and they say, I know you're right. I talked to Trevor the other night about a little something or other, and he left, and he said, you got mad at you? I said, no. He didn't get mad at me. Well, I'll see you did. I said, no. Did you get mad at me? No. He knew I was telling him the truth. The, the deal is you got to learn how to teach someone. You can't jump in somebody's life until they respect you. And when they and the only way you get respect is to show them, hey, I've been there before. I've walked through it. I'm victorious with it. And when you learn that there, then you'll learn in your life, I live by the motto, I ain't getting in John Hargrave's life unless he invites me. You got me? Because if I jump in his life, I'm preaching to him. And he ain't going to listen to me. But if he invites me, I'm counseling him with the word, and the preaching of the word then is received, and he intakes the word the right way, and it does what God wants done in your life. Y'all follow me now, amen? amen? So God chooses the Holy Spirit. God chooses you, and the Holy Spirit does the sanctifying of you. 
Turn with me back to 1 Peter chapter number 3, where we started at tonight. 1 Peter chapter number 3. How many of you have learned more about sanctification tonight than you have all your life? Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 5. Chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. We're going to read that again. And what I want you to pay attention to is the phrase faith unto salvation. Faith unto salvation in this. Said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Underline faith unto salvation. That is a future tense word. It's meaning that the power of God, the right of God, keeps you and preserves you as you have faith for a future salvation. Well, if you've already saved, then why do you need a future salvation? He's talking about future salvation of your soul. That's why we need to understand that. Now, the generic meaning of sanctification is to be put in the proper state of functioning as intended. If you're sanctified... You're functioning as intended. So God at first functioned and sanctified you to function as intending to get to the point where you have a crisis of belief and you'll accept him. Then he puts you and sanctifies you and puts you in the right place where you can function as you intended. Turn to your neighbor right quick. Look at him and say, are you functioning as you are intended? So if that's the case, how many can answer yes? If you can't answer yes, what does that mean? You need to get sanctified. So, so when you say, I'm saved, sanctified, baptized in the Holy Ghost, are you functioning as you were intended to function? You are speaking faith, but let's get down to the brass tacks of it. Is it the truth? You are functioning as God intended you to function. What I'm trying to share with you is you need it daily, on a daily basis, every moment of the day. I love Tina, but I might love her more right now than I do tomorrow. I trust her right now, but I might trust her less tomorrow than I do now, and vice versa. I need something to happen on a daily basis to keep my trust level going up with her and to keep my love going over her. If she starts not paying attention to me, I start paying, not paying attention to her, then we still love each other, but we don't feel the love. You got a point? So the more you intake the Word of God, the more you intake the, the movement of the Holy Ghost, the more by faith you're able to submit. I love this, by the way. I'm still trying to get this right. Now, I'm going to tell you what. If you go back into the back room back there and get a cup of coffee and you sit down with my wife and you talk to her, she'll tell you all these things. If, 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 if She probably wouldn't want to, but she'd probably tell you all these little things that's wrong with me. <laughs> and that's fine. God puts two people together to help them out. And, yeah, I'm going to have to be honest with you. Sometimes, Katrina, I resent the heck out of it. 
And she does me too. We try to help each other. We resent each other. But God put us together to try to help each other. And that's why I have to, every now and again, Robbie, I have to kind of close up and walk in there to the back room. And I have to say, okay, God, you got to slap me down in the, in the blood again. you got to pull me up. Because if I'm still going to deal with this, I'm, I'm about to hurt that woman. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But the truth of the matter is, is we need it on a daily basis. He said, faith unto salvation is the future tense. Let's look at your responsibility. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. Are y'all enjoying studies like this, by the way? Are you glad that you are, are able to walk through the Bible like this and see it? I hope so, because it takes a long time to get this together. Tina will tell you I have worked on this all day. Verse number 1, 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. Having therefore these promises. Everybody say, I got the promises. Let us cleanse ourselves. Slap down beside and say, clean up yourself. Now I want to ask you a question on this side. Everybody look at me. Do you like anybody to give you a bath? A bath. <laughs> on this side, do you like anybody to give you a bath? I hope you ain't never been in a situation where somebody had to give you a bath other than when you was a baby. I've had to have people give me a bath before. Let me tell you something, mother. At 35 years old, that ain't a good feeling. That ain't a good feeling. But the Bible says right here that your job is to do what? Give yourself a bath. Clean yourself up. Let me give you a little saying my dad used to say, and it's went through in that age group. I've heard it, I think, even Gene, Gene's uh, husband that's passed away, said it too. Said, if you know you're going to have to take a bath, go ahead and take it. Don't put it off. Take the bath. My daddy added this. He said, and while you're taking it, try your best not to drown. <laughs> so if you're going to have to take a bath, go ahead and take a bath. In your marriage, if you know you're going to have to take a bath, take the bath. Putting, taking the bath off ain't going to do nothing but make you dirtier and them dirtier. And to make it worse and stink. So if you got to take a bath, take a bath. I'll let somebody say, you might need to take a bath. <laughs> oh, I love this. Read on. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting sanctification is the same word. Perfecting sanctification in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves. So if anything out come out of this tonight, the first thing Living Water Worship Center is going to do from here on out is get out of everybody else's business. We're going to quit trying to give everybody else a bath and we're going to take a bath ourselves. We need to get us some good old Kame soap from the Spirit. What, what, what's the other soap that it got? A caress. Get you some real nice caress soap from the Spirit and soak a while. Take a long bubble bath. Get yourself clean. Amen. Go to James chapter number one. Let's talk about the process. Lord, help me get there tonight. I know I've talked a while. But we, it ain't about 30, so it ain't too late. James chapter number one, verse number 22 to 24. 
If you have that, say amen. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forget what manner of man he is. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, talking about the Bible, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I wish you had all you had a cell phone, and you could pull that cell phone out and snap a picture of you, and then bring me the cell phone. By the way, let's do that. Ben, you got you got one? Anybody got a cell phone? I gotta go get one. You ain't gotta go get anybody. You got one? Uh -huh. All right. Okay, take a picture of Eva right there where she's at. And then bring it here to you. Okay, bring it here to me. All right, now go sit down for a minute. All right. Hmm, that's pretty good. That's a good picture. Pretty good. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. I'm fixing to embarrass Eva. Are, are you going to love me when I'm finished? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 7. How many of you just wonder what God wants you to do in life? Amen? I'm fixing to give you an answer. Verse 7. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness or unto sanctification. What are you called to do? What are you called to do? To live holy. To be sanctified. That's why you're here. I'm not going to read this, but you can write it down and go home and study. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18 says, It is your job to cleanse yourself. Romans 13 and 16 says, You've got to clean up even the closets on the inside of you. Turn to that right beside and say, Let God in the good junk room. How many got junk drawers at the house? You need to let God in your junk drawer. I'm talking about inside you. There's some things that you have tucked away. This junk, you don't need them anymore. You need to let God deal with you in that respect. Amen? Amen. I'm almost done. He said there in, in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 2 through 9, he said there that it's by the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit doing his job to sanctify you and the choice of God to choose you as the elect by the obedience of man. That word obedience means you submit under what is physically heard and what you apprehend with your mind by listening and positively re be re responding to what you hear. It means you hear the authority that's talking to you. And it is commanded to you to be a lifestyle. You are to be an obedient servant and you are called to be holy. And you got to learn how in your life to put yourself under authority. How many of you like authority? 
The biggest problem in the church today is we don't like authority. We don't. Preachers say, okay, case in point, we're going to cancel that meeting. And we got four or five over here on the board. I don't know why we have to cancel that meeting. We didn't vote on canceling that meeting. No matter what you voted for, the man that's behind the pulpit, the woman that's behind the pulpit, God has put him there and gave him authority. And if you don't like it, then you can come talk to him personally. But he's the one has got to answer to the Lord if it's right or not. Now, I'm not telling you I'm a dictator. No. I'm just telling you we got to start submitting to authority because God put us under authority. And when he does so, he said, you got to submit to what you hear and you got to be a doer of what you hear. Look at me about scared daylights out some of them. I have preached to y'all the word of God. I've told you how to overcome. I've told you how to live a victorious life. We have preached and tried to model to you how God wants you to move and operate in your finances to be blessed. And you have heard the word of God. You have agreed with the word of God in notion and hollowed out. Amen. But have you applied it? If you would have applied it when you first heard me teach you about the finances, you would not have to work today. If you took 20% of what you make on a daily basis or weekly basis and set it to the side and never touched it, in five weeks, you got a paycheck. In 90 days, you got a month's salary. In a year, you got three months' salary. In two years, you got six months' salary. And as you invest it in the right place, in 10 years, you got enough of money to cut you an interest check back and never touch the principal and live a decent lifestyle. 10 years is all you really need to have to work. So the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ attacks your old man and the integrity of the old man. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ steps in and says, when John Hargraves wants to get mad, that's a lie. He don't want to get mad. John Hargraves ain't the man that's wanting to get mad. That's the old one that's buried. What are you going to do? So, sum it up real quick. Sanctification started the day that you were born, before you were born, actually. And you had a crisis of belief on the day you got saved. And from that point on, progressively, you are sanctified. And your job is to work out what God put in you on your spirit and on your flesh. The Bible said that as you look, you want to come open this up? As you look into the perfect law of liberty, it's like looking in a mirror. And when you look in the mirror, you go away from the mirror and you forget what's in the mirror. But the more you look into the perfect law of liberty, the more you are translated into the very image that you are looking into. So you see God in the pages of the Bible and you began to be changed into his own likeness. Okay. All right. Strike the same pose that you just struck so I can take a little picture of you. I don't know if they're going to do that anymore. Here we go. 
dry the very same clothes. I tell you, you didn't accomplish it. All right, there's something on the right-hand side of you without looking, and over your head, it's in this picture right here. Don't matter, I'm talking about your face. But there's something over your head in this picture don't turn around and look now. It just stopped again on me. There's something in your head over this picture that is in the picture where everybody can see. Tell me what it is. Why, why can't she tell me? She ain't seen it, has she? So this is a mirror. Turn around and look what's up over your head. Cross. Point I'm trying to make is you can look in the mirror, take a few minutes and look in it, and try to remember what Betty looks like. And Betty might look good when she looks in the mirror, but she can walk from the mirror to the car and the window <laughs> and her hair be like this right here and she be right downtown. <laughs> Hair bushed out like this to the great big old afro. She thinks she'd be sexy and nice and all this stuff until she looks at herself in the mirror. She says, Oh my God, why'd you let me walk out there like that? Nobody's ever said that before. Because she's not constantly looking into the perfect law of liberty. And she forgets who she is. So the Bible says your job is to take the Word of God in. And the more you look at it, the more you are translated into the image of the glory of God. Amen. How many of you learned something tonight? Amen. How many of you appreciate these meetings on Wednesday night? Amen. Okay, Sunday morning, we're going to eat. Then we're going to have prayer afterwards. I want everybody to bring enough for your family, and I want you to stay for prayer. You got me? After church. Sunday night service will not be held this time around. Our prayer service after that will, after the dinner, will serve as our Sunday night service. Before I close.